Good morning. Good morning, Mara. So some some quick business before we get into the scripture. Hey, if you have your Bible, just get into it. Colossians chapter 3. We are going to, this is going to be a scripture heavy message, okay? So we're going to be doing a lot of scripture reading in this this message, in this time together. And we're going to stay in Colossians chapter 3. So we're going to read all of of the chapter. We're going to jump back into chapter 2 for a couple verses. But so if you have your Bible, um, paper Bible, like the actual book, awesome. If you have a device or something, great. If you if you go fishing without your pole, we brought a pole for you, and we'll put it up on the screen. But you really should bring your fishing pole when you go fishing, right? So you should bring your Bible when we come to, to listen to uh, God's Word and, and that sort of thing. It's my little rebuke for the day. Um, so just to f- kind of get, get a, a census of the group, how many of you will be watching the Justin Timberlake concert tonight? Yeah? Yeah? And I, I hear there's a football game that is going to book in the concert. So if you, if you want if you don't like Justin Timberlake, you can watch a ball that doesn't bounce it properly. Um, so, <laughs> okay, so let's just let's just figure this out. Who's Patriots fans in here? Okay, and Eagles fans don't care one way or the other. Fans, yeah. so you guys are all going to watch the concert at halftime, or how many are? How many, how many are, like, interested in the commercials? Because the commercials are kind of cool, aren't they? Like, figuring out which commercials are great. So, yeah, just if you forgot, tonight is another holiday for Americans, I guess. Um, so if you have your green card, there's, there's uh, three items on here that I want to point out specifically. So next Sunday, um, next Sunday and Monday, pretty heavy with um, activity. Right after service, we have a thing called Tacos with Tom. And what that is, is if, if you have never got, come to Tacos with Tom, you're invited. So just if you, if you have not been, you're invited. And what it is, is we, have a, we bring in a, a, a taco lunch. And I'm Tom, so that's where the name comes from. And um, we talk about what, who we are. It's just, a, it's just a time for me to introduce myself, introduce um, our team, um, talk about why we're here in Warsaw, why, why we felt like God tell, telling us to plant this church here in Warsaw three years ago, um, what our vision is, kind of some, some basics of what the, the Vineyard Church globally is. And, um, and so that's right after service. If you've never participated, please plan to stay next Sunday right after service. And it's about a half hour, 45 minutes of lunch and talking and questions and answers and just a good time. So that's next, next week right after lunch. Next week, right after service, next week at 6 p.m., we have our family business meeting, if you will. So I think, I think legally we're supposed to do this once a year. Is this true? Who, who, who does corporation stuff? Yeah, I think we're supposed to do this legally. But it's, it's our way of just having open books with, our, with you guys. I mean, you guys, we pass an offering and we say, hey, if you're part of branches, we kind of expect that you're going to help support the ministries of branches and, and, you know, the works of branches and the heat that you're feeling right now. We feel like we, you know, want to be transparent. And so we, and we need to be transparent legally. So we have a meeting once a year. And this is where we just kind of share financial no- stuff, the nerd stuff. And so if you're interested in that, or if you're interested in just, you know, what last year looked like for us as a church, we had a great year last year. Uh, God met every one of our needs. Right, John? 
and then some. Isn't that crazy? God met the needs of, of his people. Go figure. We have a big year ahead of us, and we, we've, we've got a, a pretty ambitious um, financial plan ahead of us. John is the guy who, who's responsible to see that happens, <laughs> him and God. So, uh, so John will be sharing that. So it's just the vision. It's the nuts and bolts of, of Branches Vineyard Church. Everybody's, it's an open, it's an open door, so that's at 6, 6 p.m. And then um, I, I really forgot to announce this last week, but on the back end of of the weekend we had a couple weeks ago at Epworth Forest and the, the Leaders Summit that was here, we, we know that some of you felt a call on some level to ministry. And, and what, what I mean by that is some of you have responded and said, I think, I think maybe God wants me to plant a church. I think I'm called into ministry on some level, whether it's within the church, in, in, um, in, in another organization, and you just are wondering what's that, what's that all about. So what we've done is we've pulled together a meeting for next Monday at 6.30 at Syracuse Vineyard, and Steve Huffman is our regional coordinator for a, a group called Multiply Vineyard. It's for Vineyard's plan of action for growth, church planting, growing leaders, and that sort of thing. So Steve Huffman will come, and he's going to just talk about the steps you would take if you feel like vocational ministry is, is a, you have a calling for vocational ministry. So that's at 6.30 at Syracuse Vineyard. If you're interested in participating in that, if you just want to, it's, it's an ex, exploring of this. So it's not, we're not asking you to commit. We're just saying if you think that vocational ministry is in your future and it's within, you know, the, 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 within the Vineyard Church, um, we, we want to have a meeting and talk about that and, and give some steps. So if that's you, I would love to hear from you today. Hey, I, I think I want to go to that. And if every, it's open. Everybody's welcome for that. So, um, so yeah, that's next weekend. And those things are on your green card. That's where you can find all our information, website, our website, and as well as social media. So um, the beginning of Christmas, or beginning of the new year, I got this, this video from Phil Strout, who is our national director. And it was a video he sent to all the churches in the United States. And it was kind of his video to the pastors that said something like, go get them for the year. It's going to be a great year. It was kind of his, his you know, coach's locker room pep talk going into 2018. And um, so I, I watched the video. It was five or six minutes long. At the, towards the very end of the video, he, he said this. He said, he said, if you're a church that is doing awesome, you're growing, God's moving, finances are great, your vision's you know, plunging forward, go out and encourage and support another church. Well, that's a good idea. But then he said this. He said, if you're a church that's struggling, man, things just don't seem to be going well. You're trying to still figure stuff out. He said, go out and support another church. Go out and support other ministries. And, and then he made this comment. He said, and this was the end of the video. He goes, I think that's how the kingdom of God works. And, and that spoke to me pretty strongly because I had to think about that, that the kingdom of God works differently than the kingdom of our world. There's a huge contrast between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of our world. And so if I'm struggling in my business or I'm struggling in my life, the kingdom of my world says, just turn it all inwards. Start thinking about me, me, me. I need to take some me time. 
and figure this out so I can get fixed and I can get better and my organization get fixed and get better. And, and in contrast, does God's kingdom say, if you're struggling, go out and serve someone else and just give it to God and let him deal with it? Is that what God's kingdom says? God's kingdom says it's not about you. And so if you're struggling, turn it towards him and allow him to sort it out and really submit to him. And so it just it ha- had me to kind of just do a check on myself is do I, do I consider the things of God's kingdom before I consider the things of Tom's kingdom or of this world's kingdom? Is my mindset on the things of this world or is my mindset on the things of, of God's kingdom? And so what I'm hoping to do this morning is I'm hoping for us to just see a contrast between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. And, and in that contrast, what I'm really hoping will happen is that we will take um, personal a, you know, a personal assessment and, and say, wow, I, I tend to think and lean into the kingdom of this world or, hey, I'm, I'm starting to have a mind of the kingdom of God. And, and when, when life happens as I progress through my days, I'm thinking of the things of God. And I think what will happen is if we can become people that can shift from being people that are self-centered, inward-focused, doing the things that we're taught to do living in this world, to people who are kingdom-minded, I think things like our mission statement, our vision for 2018, we'll see that start to happen. I think that in our personal lives, you'll start to see victories that you never thought were possible. You'll see adjustments in your life because your focus of, of, you know, your, your, your focus of what's happening here becomes this eternal focus and life will just seem a little bit different. I, this is what I believe. And I believe the Bible talks about this. So, so we're just going to look at some, some passages that Paul wrote to a, a group of people called the Colossians. And just see what, what this contrast is. So, so verses um, 1 and 2 of chapter 3. Here's what Paul writes. He says, Since you've been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor, at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. So that's kind of our key verse for today. And, and here's, here's what's going on. Just kind of a you know, quick history of, of Paul writing to this, to this church, to, to this church in this city, is there is an issue going on in the church where they've received and met and believed in who Jesus is, and there's other things trying to attach themselves to their walk with God. And so some of it is, you know, there's a group of people that are challenging whether Jesus really was God, and so they're, they're, they're talking to the church and challenging the church, and the church is getting kind of twisted in that. And, and in some of the basics, it's just that the culture that they live in, the Jewish culture is saying, hey, you can have your Jesus, but you have to follow all these traditional things that we have followed for hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years in on top of, and that's what's going to make you right with God, is following these rules and these traditions. And, and so Paul is spending some time writing to these people saying, Jesus is the only way. Jesus is supreme in our life for salvation. It's only Jesus, nothing else. In our life for sanctification and making ourselves more like God, it's only Jesus that's going to do this. And, and so these other things that you're, you're allowing to be attached to you or people to tell you aren't what's going to do it. It's your relationship with Jesus. 
And this is what he's saying if you read chapters 1, 2, and into chapter 3. And, um, and so what I realized is, man, these people had it tough. They had people telling them they had to do a lot of stuff that really they didn't need to do to be followers of Jesus. And here's what I recognize, that we have the same situation, don't we? Isn't that true in, our, in church? That, hey, had a conversation with somebody this week. Hey, but I'm, I was told that in life I have to do these things to be to look good for God. And so what are some of those things we have to do? We have to dress right, correct? We have to wear our hair properly, right? You can't be one of those long-haired hippies. I went the extreme on the long-haired hippie thing. Well, I'm not going to be a long-haired hippie. Any of you guys let your kids grow their hair long? I'm looking at the family that I give a hard time to, their son all the time. I've got clippers, man. I can help you. We have to talk a certain way. We can't, we can't drink, smoke, or cuss. How many of you have blown at least two of those this week? Drink, smoke, or cuss, you've done two. You've got, look at you guys raising your hands, being honest with yourselves. How many of you have done all three? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and, and what Paul's saying is it's only about Jesus. It's Jesus in your life that makes the difference. It's Jesus in your life that does that does the work. And, and he, he, he finishes by saying to think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. So, so here's the big idea. Here's, here's what we want to take home today. We, that, you know, as followers of Jesus, we have a new life living within the kingdom of God. That because of Jesus, he gives us a brand new life. Because of our new life with Jesus, we are now citizens of the kingdom of God. So looking back at that verse, here, here's, the, here's three things that I just think Paul makes a statement on. Um, he says that we have a new life in Christ. He tells us to think about, you know, on a kingdom level. And he tells us to put to death earthly things. Those are, those are in that verse, just three things, things. I don't even know if things is a good word to say, but three things to, uh, to look at. In the, so let's just look at those three things. If you turn, turn back to Colossians chapter 2, let's look at what a new life in Christ looks like, okay? And here's what Paul writes to them. He says, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, cutting away your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to a new life because you trusted in the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature, was not yet cut away because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive in, with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us that took away and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, his, he disarmed the spiritual rules, rulers and authorities. I can't read this morning. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So, so here's the contrast. Here, here's here's the, what we see. When, when we come to Christ... The circumcision is this cutting away of the flesh within our, within our life. And that's, that's just the stuff that we carry because we live in a sinful world. That, that we, God takes things that don't align with him, and he chops them away, and we're given a brand new life. And so there's a shift that needs to happen, because I think a lot of times when we come to Jesus, here's what we do. We say, oh, I'm a Christian now. I have eternity in heaven. I have eternity with God. 
And so what we do is we take that and we attach that to our existing life. And we say, now I've got to clean myself up. And the way I'm going to clean myself up is I'm going to start doing this list of things in order to clean myself up so I can be the person that God wants me to be. And what Paul's saying is when you come to Jesus, that old life is killed. It's done, it's gone, and it's severed. And you're given a brand new life. Now, will we still have struggles? Yeah. Will we still have to make decisions to work stuff out and allow God to work stuff out? Yeah. Is life going to be perfect? No way. But we have the ability through the power of the cross to not let that stuff have control and dominion in our life. We can we say that is no longer there. Here's the problem we have. We're really good at resurrecting the dead. We're really good at taking the stuff that God cut away and killed and said, oh, but I like that, bringing that stuff back to life, and then that becoming part of our, part of our life. But we have a new life in Jesus. I had a, Friday was pinnacle of ministry for me. We, um, have, has anybody ever realized or figured out that being a pastor is not always fun? And I do more than just preach on Sunday. Those that have been pastors can agree with this. So, so one of the things I got to do this week, and I chose to do it. I didn't have to do it. I was made very well, very aware that, Tom, you don't have to do this. But I felt like I needed to just to have an understanding. Is I got to go down to Sweetwater in Fort Wayne and spend an hour figuring out what speakers are about and how, how speakers can you know, sound better and this and that. That's fun pastoral stuff, is to talk to a guy about speakers. And so if you see, we have new speakers here. Um, we're trying to improve the quality of the sound. We're making adjustments with, with our budget. And, and I got to learn about speakers. That's not fun pastoral things to do. But what's fun to do is on Monday, I think it was Monday or Tuesday, I got an email from a, a, a woman that said, Hey, Tom, been coming to Branches. Don't know a whole lot about God. I want to talk to you about becoming a follower of Jesus. And I'm like, oh boy, it's on. And I was excited to get that email. And then I responded, let's meet. When can we meet? Here's the days, here's the days, here's the days. She responded back, let's meet Friday morning. So Friday morning in the office here, she comes in with my, my wife is here and I. Her and I, you know, the three of us meet. We spend a couple hours together. And we, she asked incredible, incredible questions about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I was blown away at the honesty of her questions. And I was so excited to be sitting there with her and walking and talking and discussing through these questions and and trying to answer the questions. I don't know how good I did, but I I did them to my best of my ability. And towards the end of the conversation, after we had, you know, spent an hour or so, um, I said to her, I said, you know, your email said you want to talk about being a follower of Jesus. And in order to be a follower of Jesus, you know, we, you, know you, you have to recognize that Jesus is who he said he was, that he did what he said he would do, that God's, you know, God's on your side and you want to have a relationship with him. Um, is that something you want to do? Because we can do that right now. And she was like, yeah, let's do that. And so Joe prayed with her and she talked to God. And she invited Jesus into her life and she submitted her life to Jesus. And as we were praying... I was sitting at my desk, and I was watching a brand new life be born. And there was an excitement in me that this was happening. So, Tisha, just raise your hand, okay? I asked her, can we do this? So this is Tisha, and yeah, I told her, I said, the heavens are rejoicing 
because you become part of the family of God. And we want to rejoice as a church that you became part of the family of God. Tisha, I hope you've had a good past couple days and just, it's awesome. You, your questions, your decisions are the reason I'm standing here today, honestly. I mean, and so Tisha has experienced a brand new life with Jesus. And the stuff that Tisha brought, walked into the office with was severed when she walked out because God gave her a brand new life. And this is what Paul's telling us. He's telling us, when you come to Jesus, it's brand new. Do not let, let the stuff of your past hang in there. You can cut that away. I've cut it away. Don't resurrect it. Come on back. Does that make sense? Isn't that good stuff? Here's what I believe. I believe here at Branches this year, we're going to see dozens of people come to Jesus. I really believe it. I think, and it's not going to be because they, we, we meet dozens of people inside this office. I, be, I, I think it's because you guys are taking up the vision of, of what Branches is doing, and you're going to be out in your workplaces and in, in your communities sharing Jesus with people, and people are going to say yes because of who you are and because of your love for them. Okay. Now I've got to find my place. Let's, go, let's move to the, the second thing Paul encourages in, in this verse, and that's to think on, on a kingdom level. And, and here, here's, here's kind of the statement that I want to say. Thinking on a kingdom level is not thinking a good versus evil. It's not this good versus evil. It's, it's a renewing. It's a transformation of, of our mind and of who we are. And, and we talked about that last week, right? That we're, we're not to be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So when we think on a kingdom level, we're thinking eternal. And so, so Paul writes this in, in, chapter, in verse 2 of chapter 3. He says, think about things of heaven, not on earthly things. And when we talk about kingdoms, a lot of times I feel like in other parts of the world, when, when they see this kingdom thinking, they understand more clearly than we do as Americans. We don't live in a kingdom-type world, do we? We don't have kings and queens and, and, and that kind of um, you know, setup, that leadership or rule setup. And so... Um, I think that we have to actually start to understand what this kingdom mindset is. And one of the things is that we have a king. We have a king that, that we've submitted to, that we say, we're following you in everything we do. Where, where you say we go, we're going to go. How, we, how you say we're going to turn, we're going to turn. The songs we sang, we're declaring that to Jesus, to God today. And so, you know, there was a season in my life where, where I was part of a ministry that led people to Cambodia and to Thailand. And my first trip to Cambo- or to that, to that region was in, um, it was December 7th of 2009. And the reason I know it is that the day before at the airport in Bangkok, Thailand, they gave their king a present. I think it might've been his birthday. And it was this big golden arch, you know, f- f- structure that when you left the airport, it honored him it gave the day, and I remember the first time I drove through it, I was like, well, that was yesterday. And then our taxi driver was explaining, yeah, we, we honored the king. And, and, and what I recognize is in, in countries that have that kingdom set up, they, they maybe grab hold of this a little bit clearer. So in, in Thailand, the, at, at the times that, that I was traveling to Thailand, the king, he's, he's recently passed away, but he was loved 
by the Thai people. They loved him. And, and if you went to any city, and they, there would be some sort of a, a gift to him that the city gave in the form of some sort of a monument or of a structure to honor him. And so as a king, as he, as he moved through the country, as he was on TV, as he directed and led, the Thai people followed. They loved their king. And so, so in one of the towns we went to that we, that we were headquartered in, they had this, this roundabout, and it was this massive, it almost, did it look like a castle, like a palace, right? So David and Mara had been there, and so there was this massive palace that they had built in the center of a roundabout. We understand roundabouts a little bit now, right? Um, I understand a lot of you guys don't know how to use a roundabout. There's a word for you guys. Can't say it in church any longer, my wife told me. Um, Hoosier. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. I love that. It's called an American. Um, yeah. I mean, the rest of the world uses roundabouts. So there's this massive roundabout in the center of the city with this big palace. It's a clock tower. And at night, hundreds of people gather around, and this clock tower comes alive at the top of every hour, and the, the music starts chiming, and the lights start playing, and stuff starts happening at the clock tower, and it's all to honor their king. And they understand this kingdom mindset that there's somebody that we're submitting to that we're under the authority and within the reign and rule of this person, of this kingdom. And the Thai people understand they're under this, I don't know if it's called the Thai kingdom or the kingdom of Thailand, and they have a king that they follow. And for, for what Paul's telling us is, let's start thinking on a kingdom level. Let's start thinking about that we have a king called Jesus we have a we have a, a guy that God that that has our best interest. He's not out to crush us. He's out to restore a relationship with us. And let's start thinking on that level. And so so how do we start thinking on that level? Some of it is that we just we stop looking ten feet in front of us and we look to eternity. You know, if you're building a, something, I'm just making this up on the fly right now, just so you know, in case it goes all wrong. But if you're building something and you're like, I'm going to build this awesome house. And you don't keep, continue to look at the picture of what the awesome house is going to look like. And all you do is, is keep yourself focused here. You're, you're not going to hit the structure that you're going for, are you? you it's not going to happen. We always have to be looking out towards the future to know what, what we want to do for today. So if we're kingdom thinking and we're looking out towards eternity with God, that, that our life is just an inch of a, of a million mile rope, and this is, this is our time here on earth, and then the rest is, and you don't see the end of it because that's eternity, and we think on that level, it will adjust how we, how we, how we just walk through the day. It, our, our contrast of life should look different because we're always considering what God's kingdom is and that we've stepped into that, that we entered into that when we've become children of God. So, so, so we think on, on kingdom stuff. And then the third thing that I see that Paul says is that we need to put to death earthly things. And so Christ did that for us when we come into a relationship with him. Our old life is put to death. And this, this is everything that does not align with Jesus. And then Paul, in, in Colossians 3, he, he shares with us some of these things that we're supposed to put to death in case we're, we're hard-headed and we don't understand them. So verse 5 says this. He says, put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things 
when life was still when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger and rage and malice behavior, slander and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. These are the things that that Paul's saying. Here's 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 things that we need to put to death in our life. You could take you could take assessment of your life on this list and are these things in your life that as follower of Jesus you haven't put to death there's a place to do that and and part of that the beginning of that is is just a submitting of your heart to God and and then Paul goes on and he says after you put these things to death here's the things to pick up that are within the kingdom of God and so in verse 10 he says this put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matter, and he lives in all of us. There's a message right there, just that one verse, isn't there? And and we're going to talk about that towards the end in just a couple minutes. Just all those comparisons that we do in life, race, gender, all that stuff that political sides in the kingdom of God, that's, not, that's no longer there. Where am I at? Verse 12. Since God chose you to be holy people, he, the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. In, in one of the passages, I'm just going to pause that talk. No, it says it right there. Make allowances for each other. Forgive those that offend you. Man, we, we love to take up offenses. I think we're going to talk about it in a couple of weeks, aren't we? We love to take up offenses. And in God's kingdom, it's like, no, there's no place to be offended. Above all else, close yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your heart. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful. Let the message of Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So, so, so that's what we put on. There's a lot being said in that chapter. That chapter is just, it's, it's your life. It's, it's a great chapter of life living. That, man, when you come to Jesus, you have a brand new life. Start thinking of things, of, on, of heavenly things, God's kingdom. And, and destroy, put to death all the things that Christ has cut away. Don't, don't, don't resurrect those things. So there's this book called Myths of a Christian Nation. And, and my, my ultimate hope was that I can just kind of share this, um, this direct comparison. The kingdom of God is like this, and this is the contrast, or contrast, not comparison. This is the contrast of the kingdom of this world. And, and this is kind of our assessment as we, as we say, hey, as, as followers of Jesus, we live in a new kingdom. We're invited to live into the kingdom of God. And so I was going to put this together, and I found this, this, like this excerpt from this book. And I thought, I don't need to put it together. Whoever wrote this book did an awesome job. And so I found this article that somebody adapted this from this book, Myths of a Christian Nation. And so there's five things that they list as contrasts 
between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. And so I'm just going to read those. So the first is a, a contrast of trust. And so here's where you can just make an assessment of how, how, you, how you live. Are you living in the kingdom of God or living within the kingdom of this world? And the contrast of trust says this, the kingdom of the world trusts the power of the sword, while the kingdom of God trusts the power of the cross. The kingdom of the world advances by exercising power over while the kingdom of God advances by exercising power under. And so that power over, we kind of understand. We lord over. We're going to hold power over. And that's how this world says. And the power under is the, is the opposite. So then there's a contrast of aims. The kingdom of the world seeks to control behavior, while the kingdom of God seeks to transform lives from the inside out. Also, the kingdom of the world is rooted in preserving, if not advancing, one's self-interest and one's own will while the kingdom of God is centered exclusively on carrying out God's will, even if this requires sacrificing one's own interests. There's a contrast of scopes. The kingdom of the world is intrinsically tribal in nature and is heavily invested in defending, if not advancing, one's own people's group, one's nation, one's ethnicity, one's state, one's religion, one's ideology. What's the word? Ideology? Yep. And one's political agendas. That is why the kingdom is characterized by perpetual conflict. Here's the contrast. The kingdom of God, however, is intrinsically universal, for it is centered on simply loving as God loves. I'm going to pause there. That's why we simply have the message of just love God, love others, make disciples. As a church, that's why this will be our message because we just need to love people the way God loves us. And when we have our relationship with God and our love for God is our centerpiece of our life, nothing else will happen but for us to love others the way we're receiving God's love. And so this is the kingdom of God. It's intrinsically universal for it is centered on simply loving as God loves. It is centered on people living for the sole purpose of replicating the love of Jesus Christ to all people at all times and in all places without condition. And then there's a contrast of responses. The kingdom of the world is intrinsically a tit-for-tat kingdom. Its motto is eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. In this fallen world, no version of the kingdom of the world can survive for long by loving its enemies and blessing those who persecute it. It carries the sword, not the cross, but the kingdom of God parti- part, um, but the kingdom of God's participants carry the cross, not the sword. We thus aren't ever to return evil for evil, violence with violence. We are rather to manifest the unique kingdom of Christ by returning evil with good, turning the other cheek, going the second mile, loving and praying for our enemies. Far from re- seeking retaliation, we seek the well-being of our enemies. How are we doing on our assessment? I'm struggling with my assessment right now, to be honest with you. And then there's a contrast of battles. The kingdom of the world has earthly enemies and thus fights earthly battles. The kingdom of God, however, by definition, has no en- earthly enemies. For it is disciplines, it, it, its disciples are committed to loving their enemies, thereby treating them as friends and as their neighbors. There is a warfare the kingdom of God is involved in, but it is not against enemies of blood and flesh. It's rather against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, 
against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. So these are the contrasts. And I thought that was pretty good reading. That, not my reading, but the, the reading itself. Just this, this idea that there's two kingdoms that we are subject to, that we can be subject to. And when you come in, into relationship with Jesus, you are invited in to, to the kingdom of God. And we can live in that kingdom. But it, there, it, there needs to be a transformation of our, of our mind and of our thinking. And a stripping away of all that we've allowed to be attached to us or just had been attached to us because we live in a, in a world that we are born into. And so, so my encouragement this morning is that if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, to start thinking about the things of heaven. And if you're struggling as a follower of Jesus, if you're struggling with an, an addiction, if you're struggling with, with anything that does not align with who God is, that you can give that to God. You can say, God, you cut that away from me. That power no longer has authority in my life because I came to you because of what you did on the cross. It no longer has a power over me. And you can, you can walk in that and allow God to work that out in you. And, and there's some, some steps you have to take. There's some, there's some, some things that you have, to, you have to do. It's not just going to fall away. You have to be intentional on some stuff. But God is there to work it out. And you don't have to do it alone. And so Paul's saying, it's only God. God brings the salvation. God brings the sanctification. He's the one that's going to set you apart. It's nothing else that you can allow yourself to, to attach to you of rules and that sort of thing. Is that good stuff? I think it's good stuff. Why don't you go ahead and stand with me? And we will enter into a time to respond to that. Um, yeah, so, so a couple, couple thoughts I have is just on the thought of, you know, Tisha... Tisha was honest and just said, I, I know I need to step into this relationship into, to being a follower of Jesus. And, um, and I, I just, I don't want to assume that everybody in here has, has said that. I, would, I think I'd be foolish just to make that assumption. And so I want to encourage, cheer on, that if you've never said, I think I need to step into a relationship of being a follower of Jesus, that we want to simply encourage you into that and pray with you. And so during this time, you know, at the, towards the end of the song, people will come and stand up here. And if, you, if, you just, if that's just the first basic step, I don't, I don't exactly have all the answers maybe you're thinking, but I know that I want something different than the life that I have. And I know that that difference is is a relationship with Jesus, that I would encourage you, come stand up here, and, and the people that will be up here will just love to talk with you, to encourage you, to pray with you. Um, anything else? If there's anything that you're dealing with physically, if there's anything that you're dealing with emotionally, that you just want to give to God and have him enter into your life with, come up during this time. Let, let God just... just Give it to him. Let him take over and, 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 and work that out with you. And so there will be people up here that will love to uh, pray with you and just, and just agree with you as God does the work, okay? So let me pray, and then we'll wrap up with just some, some worship. And, and so, Jesus, we, we recognize that you are the only way. We recognize that, that everything you did 
for us on the cross was enough. And there's nothing more. And so we could come to you just as we are, and we could say, take this. We could say, we need you. And so, Lord, I'm just praying right now that somebody is, is at that place where they know it's time to to become a follower of you. They've heard it. They've contemplated it. And it's time to take that step. And so, God, would you just be encouraging those people right now that they would just come forward and, 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 and just say, it's time for me to start becoming a follower of Jesus. And then let you do the work. Let you do the rest. And, and so, God, we also know that you've invited us into your kingdom where we can, th- like, think way forward and not have to be so tied up or concerned with what this world's throwing at us because we know that you, you, you're in control and you've got it covered and you've got our backs. And so, God, would you encourage people right now as, as just we've read your, your scripture, we've read your word, and, we, and we've looked at the contrast. Would you encourage um, people just to, to make commitments that they're going to they're gonna walk in your kingdom? And the things of this world may, may be hard to flush away, but we're going to flush those away and the contrast is we're going to walk in your kingdom, regardless of the sacrifice it takes from us and from our personal comfort to serve and, and, and to live under your authority. And so that's, that's my desire in this, in this time, Lord. And, and I just want to give that to you and um, just ask you to do work in our lives. And we praise you for who you are. We worship you. Amen.